Welcome back, rich girls and boys, to The Money with Katie Show. I have been looking forward to this episode for a while because it's one that represents something where my opinion has changed substantially over the last few years. But before we get into that, I wanted to quickly plug our first Money with Katie retreat. It is the first in a series of three. It'll be the weekend of May 21st, and I'll link more info in my show notes, but it's going to be a great time. More than eight hours of live instruction, special guests, a playbook that you take home with you, merch, lots of amazing community. So now that we've got that out of the way, the 24-year-old version of me who used to drive to work listening to podcasts about frugality and then spend her afternoons scavenging conference rooms after lunch meetings for free food would want my head on a stake for this one, but I have to say it. Outsourcing has been one of the best decisions I have made for myself personally and professionally thus far. It all started innocently enough, though. I I didn't go into this, uh, this awakening with the intention to outsource anything and everything. But we moved out of our two bedroom apartment into a house, a three bedroom house, and Suddenly, the surfaces that required weekly vacuuming, scrubbing, and dusting doubled overnight. Hilariously, so did my real workload, my workload at work. And I had this lovely vision of the flannel-clad Colorado version of me when we moved here into this house. I would be a frequent flyer at the brewery. I'd be hiking every day. I would take these long, winding bike rides along cold, clear streams. I'm, you know, wearing flannel, living my best life, hanging out with Subaru owners. But the reality was much less picturesque. (laughs) Now, Monday through Friday was spent tending to all the various Teams pings and Zoom calls and then collapsing into my sofa afterward after nine hours of that. Saturday was spent catching up on Money with Katie work because I was working full-time and doing Money with Katie. And, oh, what do you know? Sunday became the de facto cook and clean day. I would have to make the grocery list. Retrieve said groceries. Plan the meals. Vacuum. Do the laundry. Scrub the countertops within an inch of their marble life. And I started to wonder, where was my Rocky Mountain dream? Okay, I'm going to need a second. Hopefully that sound montage before the break really drove home this point that my life felt like a never-ending to-do list. And I don't feel like this is just adulthood. Maybe it is, but I wanted a refund. I felt like I was trying to do too much. And I noticed, all right, well, this equation for me, this time versus money thing, I used to have way more time than money. Now I've got more money than time. So how can I kind of recalibrate this? And my husband is great but his standard for cleanliness is a little bit lower than mine. I think living in a fraternity house for three years recalibrates that, which means his version of the house is acceptably clean and ready for the week, and my version of the house is acceptably clean and ready for the week. They were different standards, and it usually ended up that my labor made up the gap. It turns out that this is relatively common, statistically speaking, so yay, I'm a trope. But look no further than a readout from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics for proof. I will put this in the show notes. It's from 2015, but it was the most recent one that I could find. 
And some of the statistics are frustrating in the sense that they confirm what I already anecdotally suspected to be true, that women spend 0.9 more hours per day, that's 54 minutes per day, than men on household activities. So if you're keeping track, that's 6.3 more hours per week, which is practically a whole additional workday. And 70% of women engaged in what's classified as food preparation and cleanup for their family on any average day, compared to only 43% of men. And this Pew Research headline says it all. Even during a pandemic, gender gaps in sharing household responsibilities persist. In the study, (laughs) this is too good, 55% of men say that they are happy with how household chores are divided compared to only 38% of women. Like, hmm, I wonder why. So before you, you know, accuse me of of being a man-hater or a bra burner, suggest that these differences can be explained by stay-at-home moms, this is not supposed to be man-hating content. Just consider for a moment that even the female breadwinners, so the roughly 30% of married women in America who earn more than their husbands, still bear the brunt of the household labor. They're still doing more of the housework than their spouse. I will also put that study in the show notes. Look for the quote, by the way, that you hear in the episode in the show notes, and that quote will be linked to the source so you can easily go back and kind of look into this stuff for yourself. So, While you may be a woman in a heterosexual relationship for whom this does not resonate, or maybe your partner is the clean freak and you're the one that doesn't care, the statistics at an aggregate level are pretty clear that women, even women working as much or more than their husbands or earning more than their husbands, do still bear the brunt of household work. Women are also more likely to do the housework that you can't see. So what do I mean by that? It wasn't until I read We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers that this really sunk in for me because she made an interesting point that resonated really deeply with me. She said, women are not just more likely to handle the visible housework like laundry and vacuuming and doing the dishes and taking care of the kids. They're actually also more likely to run the household, okay? Running the household, it means they're the person who remembers when the mattress needs to be flipped. They're the person that knows when the windows need to be professionally cleaned and schedules that type of appointment. When the kids have appointments and scheduling those appointments for the kids, it's almost like women at an aggregate level tend to function a little bit like their household's executive assistant. And I never thought about how much mental weight those logistical gymnastics carry for both me and other women. And and I'm sure there are men that fall into this category too, but the point is that typically there's one person in the household that's kind of running the show in that way, and more often than not, it is the female. But the point is that someone does have to make sure that the metaphoric trains keep running on time, and more often than not, it is the woman that takes that work upon herself, despite sometimes being the primary breadwinner too. And there are compounding effects of inequality at home. It's not that hard to imagine how heaping years upon years of extra unpaid household labor upon one person in the family, the the mom in many cases, uh, does slowly erode that individual's ability to perform in their paid labor arena. So simply put, we're getting tired. And after a few months of trying and failing to keep up with the housework, cook dinner every night, which was a task that became mine since my husband works like almost an hour away from home and I work from home remotely, 
and trying to overachieve at work and trying to build and run a business and still manage to like hit a brewery every once in a while to say nothing of children because I don't even have kids. I realized, oh my gosh, I really can't do it all. I cannot do it all. Something has to give. And as most women probably know, while your husband will clean if you ask him to or he'll he'll help out, you know, when you instruct him to, it kind of sucks to feel like a broken record in charge of identifying and delegating tasks all the time because you still maintain that position oftentimes as the person that's kind of running the household, like the house's executive assistant, to my earlier point. And Rachel's book was the first time that I considered that maybe I shouldn't have to do it all. And maybe this is an unfair expectation that I'm putting on myself or that I feel kind of is being leveled upon me by society, that that should be what I'm striving for. And that maybe it's not a personal failing that I'm struggling to work full-time, grow a business on the side, and do all the cooking and cleaning for the most part. After all, the whole two working adults phenomenon, it's a relatively new one. A couple used to split that responsibility. One spouse, often the man, would go to work and earn money, and the woman, usually, would take care of the household and the children. So you had two full-time jobs in different arenas, but two people doing two full-time jobs. Today, in the 21st century, you have three full-time jobs to split between two people. You have two professional ones and the household work and the childcare and everything kind of in that domestic sphere. And as we can see from the data, the third full-time job often is not split evenly. Again, I'm sure some of you listening to this do not fit this statistical pattern, but the pattern is clear. The data is clear. Women do more household work at an aggregate level. But still, I felt reluctance to hire help. And when I first realized I could outsource things like cooking and cleaning, I experienced a lot of internal turmoil. After all, for a long time, my whole frugal shtick was that DIY always trumps paying someone else to do it for you. And besides, there was, I am ashamed to admit, some part of me that felt like, man, what kind of person am I? Like, what kind of woman am I that I need help shouldering this load? Like, isn't this just part of the job description of being an adult? And lastly, there was something that felt almost, I don't know, gross and kind of privileged about it. Like, I didn't want someone else to think that I thought their time was less valuable than mine was. And that felt like the message that I was kind of sending by paying someone else to do these things for me. I've heard men express reluctance as well, but it's kind of funny. It's usually around a different objection, and it's more this sentiment of, well, is it really worth it? And I'll spare you my soapbox on this, but this pushback is always funny to me, and I know it's innocent. I know that no one means it in the way that it comes across, but the reality is, if it's not going to take any labor off of your plate, you probably wouldn't think it was worth the money either. Like, think about it. If the laundry is going to get done and the dinner is going to be on the table regardless, why do you care if it's your spouse doing it or a paid hire? So we won't spend much time on that objection again because I know people mean well and, and they're not meaning it in the way that I'm taking it. But I do want to dismantle these other three objections. The first objection is that DIY is always better or that you should embrace frugality kind of above all else. This comes down to, for me, the financial value of time. The equation is relatively straightforward if you want to get really economical with it. If your hourly rate is higher than the cost of outsourcing, then it makes mathematical economic sense to pay someone else to do it. So let's do an example. We personally pay our cleaning professionals $100 every two weeks to clean, and then I tip the actual women that come as well, aside from the service that I'm paying to the owner, But for the purposes of this example, I'm just going to use the $100 cleaning fee, the the price that is charged. Two women 
come and clean for approximately an hour and a half. So call it three hours of my time saved because it would take me three hours to do the work that two are doing in an hour and a half. $100 for three hours breaks down to roughly $33 an hour or an annual salary of $66,000 per year if you took that hourly price and turned it into a salary. So I started making more than $66,000 a year about a year and a half ago. So I would say this change was well overdue, but not really necessary, honestly, until we moved into a house. That's the one thing they don't tell you that rocks about living in a small apartment. You can clean it yourself in like 20 minutes and there's no yard to worry about, which is a whole nother outsourcing tangent. But my pro tip is if you're salaried, take your salary, chop it in half, and then remove the zeros to learn your estimated hourly rate. And then you can kind of use that as a comparison. The bottom line is that you could actually be costing yourself money if you're doing things yourself that are cheaper to hire out. And it may not feel like actual money leaving your pocket, but it's time that could be better spent elsewhere, which is what brings me to objection two. Does this mean that I'm a bad woman that I don't want to do this shit all the time? I think this is like the perfect like insert nasty woman meme here, but no, I don't think so. I just think it means that I'm human and you're human and we can't do it all. Trust me, I've tried and something usually has to give. And if I'm going to be the one who does most of the housework and works full time and runs a business, guess what gets taken off the table? socializing and time with my family because there are only 24 hours in the day after all, and I'm definitely not going to sacrifice sleep. So it kind of got to the point where I was literally waking up on a Sunday and saying, sorry, I can't, you know, insert fun family activity here today. I have a mile long to-do list for stuff around the house and work. And by the way, I need you to do the stuff around the house with me. But what's more important to my family that I'm the one doing the cleaning and the cooking or that we're doing the cooking and cleaning together or that it's getting done anyway and we have more time to spend together. Well, as you probably guessed, it is the latter. And let me tell you, when I can't make movie night with Sam Cat and Bean Dog and my husband, let's just say it's not pretty. So to avoid these kinds of situations, we need to do one of these. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Dog and Sam Cat have calmed down now. We can continue. So let's get into the economic calculations. Here's the thing it only tells half the story. Sure, your run rate at work matters when you're running this calculus, but don't forget that your time has value beyond its direct economic utility. Your time is truly your most valuable asset, as it's your only resource that cannot be renewed. So if you find that there are things around the house that someone else could do for you for a fair price, it's probably worthwhile to recoup your personal time to spend on yourself or on your family and friends. And that, my friends, brings us to our third and final objection before we start talking to our guests today. Objection number three is that it's belittling to hire someone else to do this stuff. This one was 
probably the hardest for me to get past. I know women who have cleaned homes to support their families, and they were subjected to nasty conditions and low pay. And so that was kind of the first thing that I thought of when I started thinking about hiring other people. And it wasn't until I read Rachel's book, wherein she basically explained that by hiring help, you are providing income and a job to somebody else, that I started to see it as a potential win-win. The small business that cooks our food for us, for example, presumably comprises people who love to cook. And because we're giving them business, they're getting paid to do what they love. And while I don't think our cleaning professionals necessarily love cleaning, though they very well may, they are doing honest work to earn money. And by hiring them and tipping them generously, it is mutually beneficial. So whether or not your treatment of someone is belittling or not, I think comes down to exactly that, your treatment of them. If you are gracious and respectful and you compensate them well, that is an excellent economic arrangement for everybody involved. So for context, we usually tip each cleaner $20 per visit. So that brings our total out of pocket to $140 every two weeks, which in my mind is still an excellent trade. And so I wanted to talk to someone who understands and has written about this concept widely. And that's why I brought on my guest today, Arnoush Taravi, who is, I learned coincidentally, actually friends with Rachel Rogers, who's the author mentioned earlier in this episode, which is kind of funny, but she is prolific. So Farnoosh, welcome to The Money with Katie Show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Katie. I'm so excited. So for the audience who may not be familiar, tell me a little bit more about you. Like you started writing about money when? You have done how many podcast episodes (laughs) and how many books have you written? Like basically you're a legend. So I'm trying to set the stage for everybody. I've been doing personal finance work for my entire career, even as early as an internship at 19 at Money Magazine, because nothing screams dream internship than writing about mutual funds when you're not even old enough to drink. Um, (laughs) So I've been there, done that. And I have since built a career working with people, helping them with their money across all the platforms, writing, video, television, books most recently a podcast. It's called So Money. And it's been seven years and counting. And I also wrote a book called When She Makes More, which I know we're going to dive into because it's I talk a lot about outsourcing and the importance of in, you know prizing your time. Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny too, because you say that so casually, like, oh, most recently a podcast. Y'all, if you look up Farnoosh's podcast, there are like 1,400 <laughs> episodes. Like this woman is prolific. Okay. So thank you. I also love the introduction to your show, So Money, because it basically says, like, if you're looking for ways to save on gas and clip coupons, this is not the show for you. Like, this is a show about living a richer life and thinking bigger and taking up more space, so to speak. Yeah, that was intentional. I was ready for those conversations because I was the 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 tips chick. I was the oh, like, same. and I still am. I still go on national TV and talk about how to save on gas. But I think for the podcast, and I think you do such a beautiful job on yours as well. Like we go there, we go to these like d- deep dark places sometimes, and we unveil a lot of, I think the important stuff, and we bring it back mm-hmm. to your, we bring it to your ears. <laughs> yeah, I agree. No, I think the hard conversations are the interesting ones. So. What do you think holds people, and I guess specifically women, back from outsourcing household labor? 
Specifically women, I think a lot of it has to do with how we have been trained to how we should be valuing ourselves in this world, this patriarchy that women, you know, we have been the ones who've been told that that your self-worth really should be coming from your success as a provider, a caregiver, a homemaker, all of the sort of like 1950s things that continue today. But then when you add to that also a career and everything else, it's not really, uh, even if that's what you want to do, it's not really what you should be doing, I think, as far as where your best ways of investing your time are. Um, but to be to your question, I think a lot of it is social conditioning and it is primitive. It goes back to, you know, cavemen, cavewomen era where we were assigned roles and your contributions um, were assigned and women were assigned the role of, you know, caregiver and all of that goes under that um, umbrella. And so to earn your self-respect, to earn your place in society, to earn your title of mom of the year, wife of the year, human of the year as a woman, the, the things that we were evaluating was not so much how much money was in your bank account or, you know, whether you uh, are doing great at work, work at the out in the outside world, but how happy is the home life? because it's all on you, mom. Because if your kids are unhappy, that's your fault. If your husband's not happy, it's your fault. If you're, if stuff's broken in your house, what's going on there, mom? You know. And so I think it's a, a lot of how we've been raised to think this is how what I'm supposed to do because this is how society is going to reward me. So it's funny because we did some research around this for a Women's History Month video a couple months ago. And uh, the women of today who are out there earning money do more housework and childcare today than their stay-at-home mom counterparts from that era. I also would like to blame HGTV and the Food Network and Martha Stewart and Real Simple Magazine. I love all of that. But mm -hmm. at the same time, it is continuing to feed the frenzy yeah. that um, this message, right, that in order to have it all, you have to do it all. No one said, here's how to have it all and then do less. <laughs> so that you can have it all. Like, wasn't that the whole point? <laughs> That's not been the message. The message is, ladies, you want to have it all? You're going to have to run yourself tired and yeah. uh, age yourself prematurely so that you can, you know, work a career, put dinner on the table, ensure your children's happiness 24-7, all of it. And if you outsource it, what kind of a woman are you? <sighs> I mean, if you really want to go there, I think it's a construct of the patriarchy. I think, you know, mm -hmm. I've done episodes on my show about imposter syndrome, for example, and how that's also a myth. Like mm -hmm. thinking about who often is at the receiving end of this imposter syndrome fear, it's women. And who is making, who is leading them to believe that they are, shouldn't be there or don't, are not worthy of presence in a workplace. Mm -hmm. It's not themselves, it's society. And I, I'm using air quotes and society, yeah. you know, what kind of society do we live in? We live in a male-driven patriarchy. And so <laughs> I think we have to call these things out. Yeah, This isn't just me sitting at home wanting to do all of the things. It's because I feel pressure to. Yeah. It's like you've internalized this idea that you should yes. be able to do it all because there's like, you're like meshing the two. Yeah. Right. You know, there's this thing like they call it the mom wars. I don't really know a lot about it, but I heard it when I was about to become a mom, other moms were like, watch out, there's a mom war going on. I was like, what does that mean? And it's it's also because it feels threatening when you have been given a script, right, on how to be feminine all your life. And that script is be a provider, 
be a giver, bake all the cookies, be a home giver, home provider, home care provider. And then you see other women not doing that. And then suddenly getting praise for what they're doing. Um, it threatens you, you feel a little like, wait a minute, what happened? You know, yeah. I thought I was the one who was winning here. And mm-hmm. and that can be really toxic. And it's like, can we just let women do whatever they want and not make it feel like there's only one way? Right. Well, that's kind of the irony. I was working on an episode yesterday about childcare in the US and just like how expensive it is and, and how it's kind of a market failure. And that's not to say that you shouldn't want to be a homemaker or that being a homemaker is not a hard job. It's actually really funny. Salary.com in 2018 looked at all the compensation data that they have and the planning and analytics. And they saw that if you were to take everything that a stay-at-home mom does and outsource it to different people for the median cost of completing those jobs, it would be $162,000 per year. There's, it's not like there's something wrong with that or that, that you know, they're diametrically opposed to one another. But there's also this pressure now to like be the career woman and like have the amazing career and make a lot of money. So it's like when you're feeling simultaneously like both of those things are, are required to be successful, it's kind of a recipe for disaster, which is where I think outsourcing comes into play. So how do you use outsourcing in your own life? like personally. Oh my goodness. How much more time do we have, Katie? Because (laughs) the list is long. Uh, Everything, big things to little things. Childcare, for example, I have a seven and a half year old and a five year old. I've had a, I've been very lucky. I have saved a lot of my money Mm -hmm. and uh, siloed a lot of my income for childcare specifically because, and I knew way before I became, got married and had kids that this was something that I needed to prioritize because the world is not going to just give you childcare for free. Unless you live in Sweden, in which case you will. <laughs> well, yeah, I shouldn't say the world, the United States. So many times I saw women coming out of HR six months pregnant with tears in their eyes because they didn't oh. realize just how crappy their, uh, you know, our, at the time, uh, you know, maternity leave policy, family leave policy was. And oh my God, suddenly like I have to figure out, stitch together uh, my own plan and maybe not even make enough, enough money during those weeks and months away from work. And then I come back to work and everyone's like, where have you been? And someone new has taken my job. You know, there's all, I saw that happen, Katie. And I said to myself in my twenties, I will never let the system tell me how I can or cannot work, how I cannot or cannot raise my family. And I had to like reverse engineer it. You know, I, I chose entrepreneurship largely for that reason. Eventually I saved And when my son was first born, we hired our wonderful nanny almost immediately, like within three weeks, I think she started. And some people would be like, what? And because again, when you've just had a baby and like your partner's back at work and you're home alone at three or four weeks, like the nanny's really there for me. (laughs) (laughs) This is my emotional support nanny. She's not like, I can change diapers, but like, who's going to like help me if I fall and pick it up? Um, so childcare number one, which I know is so expensive in this country, and we're privileged that we can we have the salaries that we do so that we can afford that, and it's not a huge bite out of our budget. But it's a big amount of money. Mm-hmm. Also, we outsourced. There was a while that last year because I was so overwhelmed with work and the pandemic that I – and we weren't eating right. I was like, I need to hire someone. I would love – you know, I, I watch Billions, and I'm like, oh, it would be nice to have like a chef, you know, a full-time chef 
It's, you got to make billions for that. But what's a lot more affordable, there are women in our neighborhood and men too who run meal prep out of their homes and they will make you like locally sourced foods. They come up with a menu, you pick what you want and they drop it off at your house. And I love it because it's for me, it feels good to know that one, we're getting homemade food, but also I'm supporting, you know, a local parent or a business owner who's also supporting the local farms. Mm -hmm. This in particular, she was sourcing from female owned farms. So I I also felt like I was being socially cool and helpful in that way. So food often, uh, oh my gosh, uh, handiwork. Yeah. You know, whether we need like a door changed or we need paint. Like I am, my husband and I, I'm definitely not handy around the house. My husband is better at that, but certainly not for big or even sometimes medium-sized projects. We are outsourcing that stuff. I mean, can we also talk about the share economy? So like Mm -hmm. Ubers and Lyfts. I mean, that's also outsourcing because we're not like carpooling and driving and trying to rearrange our lives. I mean, I was just talking to a mom yesterday who was commuting in to the city and she lives with two children and her husband in a two-hour away town. So she doesn't come into the city all that much, but She's like, and it's really hard when I travel because in the mornings to get to the airport and with one car, I said, mom, can you just leave the house the night before and go to a hotel, outsource your bedroom, I'll go to a hotel near the airport. And so in the morning, you just get a shuttle to the airport and then your family can just do their morning and they're not also throwing in an airport drop off for mom. Totally. So thinking about like, strategy? What's a good use of your time? What would be less disruptive to your flow so that you can focus on what you're best at doing? I am not good at fixing up the house and I can make some meals, but you know, my repertoire is pretty limited in terms of meals. And, you know, after I've gotten, I have like five good meals in me. And then if we want more, we need to eat out or we need to outsource. And I'm much better at doing what I'm doing here with you, talking about money, helping people with their financial lives. It's what I enjoy doing, by the way, a lot more than a lot of other stuff. And I make money doing it. No one should pay me to cook for them or clean their house or any of that. Also, I get I have a house cleaner who comes every other week. Some people have it every week. I wish I could do that, but we're on the same wavelength with respect to like the types of things that we choose to outsource. I actually want to kind of double click on that thing you said about supporting local businesses because one interesting realization I had during the pandemic was I had embraced frugality culture so, so much. It almost translated to being very stingy. And I've realized that since I started earning more, which again, there is an element of privilege here, right? Like you have to make enough money to be able to pay for these things. So I I definitely want to acknowledge that. But as I started to earn more, I thought, hmm, let me, you know, outsource to buy back even more of my time, which then resulted in me earning more, which we'll get to in a moment. But what I realized was that in my kind of stingy phase, I had not been supporting my local community in that way. So that kind of Scrooge McDuck mentality of like, I just need to hoard all of my money and do all of this stuff myself. It it has this like backwards unintended consequence of like taking money out of your local economy. And I don't know if that's just me like justifying spending money on all of these things, but I really do feel like it makes a difference. It's not a bad justification, Katie. I think that's wonderful. I always say like, uh, 
you should feel good about how you run your financial life and how you spend counts as part of your financial life. And I mean, I've interviewed folks on the show who it's not about, you know, putting out Amazon, but they don't shop at Amazon anymore because they realize they can get everything locally too. And maybe they can't, it's not going to come that day or the next day. Um, maybe they got to get in the car and go get the thing. And maybe there was a little bit of a premium, but you're, and you're not going to shut out Amazon. Like Amazon's going to be okay if you don't buy your toilet paper from them. But the other business that you're supporting, it could be life-changing for their business. If suddenly a bunch of people realize, I can just come to you for my books. Yeah. Like our local bookstore. You know, I I can't abandon Amazon uh, and, you know, I'm not going to do that, uh, but I will pick and choose. Like I want to buy my books from the local bookstore because I don't need a book the next day. Yeah. I want to kind of dive into this idea that the counterintuitive principle that outsourcing and spending money to buy back your own time can actually generate more income for you over time. So would you be able to speak to that a little bit for us? Yes. For example, I I wrote a piece called like, when I had my second kid, I doubled my income, which is so counterintuitive because usually when you have more kids, it's like your career death knell for women. Um, We don't normally equate like having more kids with like prosperity financially in your career, especially again, as a woman. But I ramped up the outsourcing in two areas of my life when my second child was born. I paid more for an assistant. I paid a lot of money for an assistant, actually. I paid, you know, healthcare. Oh, good for you. I will say, though, she was phenomenal. Shout out to Sophia. She basically ran my day-to-day so that I could have the bigger conversations that I wanted to be having with brands and to create programming. You can't be thinking big when you're constantly in the weeds of your business, when you're trying to like shoot off emails and schedule things and go with all that back and forth communication that is important. So I hired a really smart person to help me with that. Then I could take the hours of the day and strategize and plan and plot and make the longer term bets for the business, which ended up paying off really, really like I I was so thrilled with that investment. I can say that was a direct corollary to the fact that I was able to, to make as much as I did. Also, of course, the childcare. Second kid, I gave our you know, every year with every kid, like you 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 give more in salary to your childcare provider, happy to do that, you know, because what's more important to a working parent mm-hmm. is the childcare, really good childcare too. I wanted it the way that I wanted it because that to me meant quality childcare to have someone in the home with the child to be able to take them to places. And that to me, it felt safe um, and best. But However you got to do it, whatever feels good to you, do that. Invest in that if you can. I wish it was cheaper. I wish it wasn't, um, like for a lot of families, the biggest or second biggest expense in their budget every month. That's embarrassing for our country. Like that shouldn't be the, that shouldn't happen. Preach. It's unbelievable. Especially, so what you just said, what's more important than childcare? I know I'm like, I'm I'm too on this topic right now because I was so in the weeds with it yesterday, but somebody likened it to infrastructure. They're like, the roads that you drive on to get to work just as important as having somebody to watch your child right. in your ability to work. So like until we kind of treat it as infrastructure, yeah. it does exist in this kind of like, yeah, market failure state where like it costs more to provide it than you can actually charge people to pay for it. But the price you're charging is already almost prohibitively expensive. So 
anyway, all that to say, I, I love that you're kind of, you know, tacking this like, oh, having like a nanny that is in your home with your kids every day. Like that is a version of outsourcing that that directly contributed to your success. And not only career success, Katie, but my mental health, I could work out. You know, I'm, I'll never forget, I was getting my hair cut and my barber or hairstylist, he was a, a guy at the, at the time, and he said, you know, we hired a live-in au pair, which I think is like $200 a week in, in New York, which is, sounds like, like, oh my God, that's nothing, you know, because you can't, how are you taking care of a family? But it, these are foreign people living in the country. They're usually here through a program. These au pairs, they know the deal. They're here to experience America. They get a, they get a stipend and they live in your home. They get rent free and free food. And, and then they get the $200 or whatever the agency arranges. Um, and then they go and they party on the weekends and like kind of fun. I mean, I wish I had known that as a 20 <laughs> something year old. Totally. But the point is, is that he was like, before we got this, my wife and I, we were running like crazy with like our heads cut off and we didn't have time for each other. We didn't have time to think about what we were going to eat. We put on weight and we were not happy. And we invited this person into our lives who, yeah, I mean, we have to invite a third person to live with us in our house, another adult, but we committed to that and we paid for this childcare. And I think they had maybe daycare, but the, even just the commuting in the back and the forth, but having someone in your home, he's like, guess what? Now, like after work, I can go and get a workout in, or my husband, my wife and I can go on a date night and we have structure. I mean, when you have kids, it is all hands on deck. And again, during the pandemic too, like I knew people would come to me and they'd say, how do I help a working mom right now? And I said, buy her some childcare. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, how do I do Venmo that? Venmo her $1,000. <laughs> I Venmoed mom's money. Oh, like wow. I just wanted to make sure it was going to the childcare because that was really important to me and, and them. But I also wanted to be sure that they were getting the help that I was hoping they would get. But also you could call up the local YMCA or YWCA. They often have programs for kids and you could arrange it with the Y and sign up their kids to be there while the mom is at least, even if she's oh, home, wow. like working yeah. though. So I cannot emphasize this enough. I mean, childcare is not a nice to have. It's an essential. And to mm -hmm. your point, it should be considered infrastructure. But we so often think that this is a woman's domain. And mm -hmm. if you're going to have a kid, you should take care of your kid. Because why else did you have the kid? By the way, we don't ask men that question. We also kind of don't take into account that people kind of need to keep having children to like further the human race. Like also the, this idea that like, well, I don't want to pay for your kids. Again, we are maybe getting a little bit tangential here, but this idea that, you know, I don't want to pay for your kids. It's like, well, you're already paying for people's kids because you, your tax dollars go to public schools. And also someday like that kid is going to be a young adult who's in the workforce, who's producing goods that you're consuming as a retired person. So like it benefits everybody for families to have that type of support. And I think, you know, I, I expand that support now after the last couple of years and like learning what burnout feels like and learning how you can inadvertently as a childless person shoot yourself in the foot by trying to do too much at once and not being efficient with like, all right, I've got some money now, but I don't have very much time. And I think that's really what this comes down to. Yes. And to really value your time, really value it. 
I know that there are some equations like whatever your salary is, that's your hourly wage, but you're also at a premium to that because you're worth more than what you just make. And I think once you get into that mindset, that can be also toxic because if you're in a household where your partner makes more than you do, then your hourly wage is less than the partner's. And then guess who's doing all the dirty work? And guess who's going to be the first one to not pursue the career when the child enters the picture? Right. And it's usually the women because women, there's the pay gap. And for a lot of other reasons, women make less than men. And and I always say, no, 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 no. When you have a child, it's not my income versus your income, which one is less. That's the one we give up. So then we can pay for childcare right. or we can like justify, you know, because childcare is almost as much money as sometimes people's salaries. Yeah. You both make an income, combine the income. What is childcare as a percentage of your joint incomes? Because childcare is not just helping out mom. Mm-hmm. It's helping out everybody, child, dad, mom, 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 dad, dad. So like, don't make it just about the back of the napkin salary math to figure out who's going to opt out of their career. Yeah. It's like shooting yourself in the foot sometimes. And I have this conversation all the time on my podcast. It's not, I don't always get the best of friends through these conversations or a lot of opinions about this. And I invite all of them. But at the end of the day, I want, especially for women, I want their financial independence. That is a non-negotiable for me. And I hope it is for everybody listening. And if you believe in that, then you will, you'll be more open to this conversation at least. I'll even say this, that if childcare is more than what you make, I mean, don't go into credit card debt for it, but uh, maybe that's, look, we take out student loans to go to college, to graduate and make less than what our student loan debt is. Mm-hmm. You talk about childcare as infrastructure. I talk about it as an investment. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to maybe pay off right away. Your salary isn't where you hope it is to be able to afford childcare. But if I'll tell you one thing, if you don't work, it will never be more than childcare. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we we were talking about this on the podcast or and on Instagram a couple of months ago. And I had kind of said when I started to hear how much it costs, because I don't have kids. So like I'm pretty, you know, isolated from that, that economic equation. I had heard from, you know, people how many thousands of dollars a month they were paying. And I thought back to myself when I was 24 making $50,000 a year. And I was like, oh my God, like pretty much my entire income would have gone to childcare. Why don't people like, why aren't there more people that are just like quitting and taking care of their kids? Like that pressure is crazy. And you know, what you're saying probably isn't as unpopular as you think it is because there were a lot of women that slid into my DMs like right away that were like, because those five years that you lose when you leave to take care of your kid before they go to school, you never get that back. Like one woman I talked to as an example that kind of proves your point. She was like, my whole income went to childcare for those couple years, but now I make $200,000 a year. Yeah. So like if I would have left, we would not. So it's like the long game. I mean, also let's pay m- women more. Agreed. Farnoosh, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for talking about this. This is so important. I love that you're covering this. Oh, absolutely. And I'm so thankful for your perspective. And where can people find you? You can tune in to So Money with Farnoosh Tarabi three days a week, everywhere you love to hear podcasts. I am also the editor at large of CNET Money. Come check us out there. We've got a lot of- Casual. (laughs) No big deal. No big deal. It's a new role. I'm really excited about it. Um, Doing lots of important coverage there, looking at climate change, looking at wealth gaps, looking at the new definition of wealth, all of that good stuff where my team's doing. And 
I'm having a lot of fun making reels. Uh, this is a new thing for me. Uh, like, like so She's new. She's on like, TikTok, everybody. No, 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 not TikTok. I mean, I kind of <laughs> Instagram reels. Yeah, Instagram same. reels. You've inspired me. I'm doing, you know, what I can uh, to engage and uh, be hip, like all the cool kids. And so, hang out with me there, Farnoosh Tarabi on Instagram. Love it. Thank you so much. Before we close out today, I'm just going to kind of quickly run through our outsourcing budget because outsourcing this stuff gave me a sense of freedom that I did not have before. And so I'm sitting here wondering, like, is this what it's like to be a man all the time? I'm kidding. But there is maybe some truth to it. On some level, I think this was my small and admittedly kind of expensive act of rebellion against this notion that because of my gender, the fact that I work from home, that there's an unwritten rule that I will shoulder the majority of the household burden or spend more time thinking about it. But I was earning great money and working really hard. And frankly, it just didn't feel fair. So we spend $200 per month before tips, closer to $300 a month after tips on cleaning, and then around $1,000 per month on our chef service. And honestly, I would outsource more if I could. All right, y'all, that is everything I've got for you this week. I will see you next week, same time, same place on The Money with Katie Show. Our show is a production of Morning Brew, and it's produced by the wonderful Nick Torres and me. Alan Haberchak is our director of audio at The Brew, and Sarah Singer is our VP of multimedia. Sam Cat is, as always, our executive chaos agent, and Bean Dog is our chief of woof, letting us know when the mailman comes knocking during our recording sessions. I've heard men express, damn it, Sam. Okay, try again.